week on Vedic mythology, music, and mantras, Vishwamitra and the Gayatri Mantra. In my last netcast, I mentioned that I was going to talk about Vasishta Rishi, whom I erroneously identified as the seer of the Gayatri Mantra. In fact, it was Vishwamitra who was the Rishi for Gayatri, and Vasishta was in part a guru to him and in part a rival. Vishwamitra started out as a king known as Kaushika. He was widely known and revered, both as a warrior and as a gentle and just ruler. There was a time when crop production had not been good, and Vishwamitra was worried about his people and how he could help them in their time of need. He was walking with his army through the woods, and he came upon an ashram. But unlike the usually austere surroundings of an ashram, everyone here was well-fed, and the accommodations were very comfortable. This was the ashram of Brahmarishi Vasishta. A rishi is a seer, one who sees the ultimate reality of life, and a Brahma-rishi is the highest level of rishi, one who has accomplished all that can be accomplished and knows all that can be known. Well, the king entered the ashram, and Vasishta came to greet him, offering the king and his army food and accommodations. Well, the king was concerned because of the poor harvest and said, well, he didn't really want to deplete the ashram's food supplies. But Vasishta said it would be no problem and went off behind one of the ashram buildings and he returned a few minutes later with a cow. Vasishta muttered some mantras and re- uh, requested that the cow provide food for the king and his men. Well, much to everyone's surprise, immediately there was a huge feast of just what each individual desired most. Vasishta sat comfortably with the king and listened as the king explained how it was difficult to feed his people because of the poor crops. He described their suffering and asked if Vasishta would give him the cow. Carefully and rather patiently, Vasishta explained to the king that a cow such as this could only be in the possession of a Brahmarishi, and that the cow would do him no good. Well, kings are not used to hearing no to a request, and Kaushika insisted that his men take the cow by force. But as they moved towards it, Vasishta said a little mantra, and the cow immediately appeared a few yards away. No matter what the men did, the cow was just out of their grasp. Well, after some time, the king turned to Brahmarishi Vasishta and said that if they would not, if they could not take the cow, they would take him. Well, Vasishta simply sat there, and the king's men advanced on him, and he simply disappeared and reappeared a few feet away. They had no more success cap- capturing Vasishta than they did the cow. Well, this, as might be expected, infuriated the king, who instructed his archers to shoot their arrows at the saint, although it's hard to imagine what good this might do. And as they did so, their arrows flew towards Viswamitra, who simply lifted his staff, and the arrows were swallowed up and disappeared. Well, then Viswamitra sent his whole army to attack Vasishta, who simply manifested one of his own and easily defeated all of the king's men. And in one version of this story, the king goes away and does tapas, meditations, and gains some weapons from Shiva, which ultimately prove to be ineffectual against Vasishta, who captures the king and then sends him away after a good lecture on proper behavior. It's interesting that one of the symbols of Lakshmi, the goddess of abundance, is the cow, 
And, of course, India has always revered the cow, treats it with honor and respect. In this story, Vasishta's cow of plenty is called Nandini and was the daughter of Kamadenu, Indra's cow, and represents the source of food and really any material possession one could want, whether a necessity or a luxury. And we grab at what we want the way the king attempt to uh, capture the cow, and understandably so, because he needed to feed his people. But the Rishi, who represents the divine, explains that wealth follows after spirituality, at least in the great Vedic tradition. If we pursue only material possessions, we cannot hold on to them. They will always be just out of our reach. But if we pursue the spiritual first, ultimately the material will follow, just as a cow follows her master at feeding time. Well, the king went home, but the rishi and his cow were never far from his mind. And eventually he decided that the only solution was to outdo the rishi Vasishta, and Kaushika decided to become a greater rishi than even Vasishta was. So off he went to the forest to meditate and to develop his own spiritual powers so that he could acquire the cow of plenty and humiliate Vasishta, who had defied him. Well, this king, who has some initial success and was given the name Vishwamitra by Brahma, was no slouch, and his goal was rather fresh and clear in his mind as he performed all his austerities. He made so much progress that Indra, the king of the gods, became worried. And it seems in these stories that Indra is perhaps a little insecure because of the power that humans can develop. He doesn't want anyone to become more powerful than he is, and so he sends someone to test the poor, unsuspecting human. Well, in this case, Indra sent Manaka, one of the most beautiful of Indra's 26 heavenly dancers, or Apsaras. Manaka would go outside Vishwamitra's cave and dance with her ankle bells tinkling sweetly. But for a long time, Vishwamitra simply ignored the noise. Although one day he decided to see what on earth was going on and opened just one eye, just a crack. And there she was, extraordinarily beautiful and inviting. He opened both eyes, and she smiled sweetly as she danced in front of him. He was transfixed. After some time, she sat down beside him, and before you know it, he forgot all about the cow and Vasishta, and all he knew was this beautiful woman. Well, they lived together for some time and genuinely fell in love with each other, but the faint memory of his meditations returned to Kaushika's heart, and he told her that he was just going to go off for a few hours to meditate. Well, she flew into a rage and told him that if he dared to do that, she would leave him and he would never see her again. This is not exactly what uh, Vishwamitra expected to hear, and under some stern questioning, Manaka admitted that she was indeed sent by Indra to distract him. And as she realized that she was not going to be able to influence him any more, she disappeared in a puff of smoke. So he moved up the mountains a few thousand feet and resumed his meditations. But Indra had his eye on him and again sent an apsara named Ramba to see if he could be distracted. But this time it didn't work so well because Vishwamitra heard the bells, smelled her perfume, and instead of being intrigued, he was annoyed. In an instant he opened his eyes and his spiritual, his spiritual power turned Ramba into a slab of rock where she would stay imprisoned until Rama freed her many years later. But this act of anger consumed a measure of his spiritual power, 
And Vishwamitra again realized that anger diminishes one, no matter how justified, and he resumed his meditations once again. As Vishwamitra meditated, there was a king nearby, named the, by the name of Trishanku. Trishanku was a good king, ruled well, but he was getting old, and he decided he wanted to ascend to heaven while still keeping his human body. He contacted the Brahma Rishi Vasishta, who came to see him. Trishanku explained what he wanted, but Vasishta said, no, it couldn't be done. The king could not go to heaven in his humanly body. Well, a wandering sadhu told the king that he had heard about a powerful rishi named Vishwamitra and suggested that this other rishi might be able to help him where Vasishta had refused. Well, at the king's request, the sadhu went to find Vishwamitra, and after locating locating him, the sadhu expressed the king's desire. But Vishwamitra was unmoved. He didn't even open his eyes. But the sadhu mentioned that Vasishta had refused to help. Well, when he heard this, Vishwamitra opened his eyes and said, Aha! Well, I will go help the king. So off he goes to see the king, and they prepare a big yagya, and uh, they light the fire and begin the process. And at the end of the third day of the yagya, the king's body begins to rise into the darkening evening sky. Up the king goes until he's almost out of sight, when Indra sees him and sends him plunging back down to earth. Vishwamitra wondered what to do. He stretched out his arm and with his spiritual power stopped Trishanku where he was in the sky. And then with his immense power, Vishwamitra started to create a new heaven for Trishanku until Brihaspati intervened. Well, the king couldn't rise any higher because of Indra's command, and he couldn't fall any closer to earth because of Vishwamitra's power. So eventually Vishwamitra and Indra came to a compromise, and Trishanku became a new constellation in the eastern sky where he was stayed halfway between heaven and earth. As he returned to the mountains, Vishwamitra knew that he had failed again because a portion of his spiritual power had once again been used up in order to help King Trishanku and that his Vishwamitra's motivation had been pride and the desire to outdo Vasishta. So he returned to his meditations and he grew and grew in his inner vision and insight. Well, Indra had long since given up on distracting him, and Brahma, the creator, the creator, came again to see what this fellow was up to. Brahma was impressed and gave the title Maharishi, great seer, to Vasishta. As honored as he was, Vishwamitra explained that what he really wanted to be was a Brahma Rishi. Nothing less would do. Well, replied Brahma, you'll have to go see Vasishta. Only he can make you a Brahmarishi. As you might expect, this is not exactly what Vishwamitra wanted to hear. He hadn't done all this work over the years only to be told that Vasishta was once again superior to him. But he decided to pay Vasishta a visit and set off to find his ashram. As he reached the ashram, Vishwamitra didn't know what he was going to do. The place seemed pretty deserted, so he snuck in, and he could hear hear Vasishta and his wife, Arundhati, talking but he couldn't quite make out what they were saying. Picking up a large rock, Vishwamitra snuck up close to the hut, intending to whack Vasishta on the head. But as he stood there, he could hear their conversation more clearly now, and they were talking about him. And he heard Vasishta say that he intended to grant Vishwamitra the title of Brahmarishi in light of his superhuman effort 
and refusal to give up even in spite of all the obstacles that had been placed in his path. Well, as you might imagine, Vishwamitra was humiliated when he heard this. He understood that all along Vasishta had in fact been right and was acting appropriately. In fact, the only fool had been himself, and Vishwamitra, in his shame, started banging his own head with the rock. Well, this must have been a very odd sight to see this great Rishi banging his head with a rock, and it made enough noise that Vasishta and his wife rushed outside to see what the commotion was. What are you doing? they asked. Vishwamitra fell at the feet of Vasishta, who forgave him and blessed him with the title of Brahmarishi. And some time later, as he sat in meditation, the Brahmarishi Vishwamitra heard the subtle sounds of the universe on all its levels Om Bu, Om Bhuvaha, Om Swaha, Om Maha, Om Janaha, Om Tapaha, Om Satyam, Om Tat Savitur Varenyam, Om Bargo Devasyadimihi. And Vishwamitra is also credited as the seer of the third mandala of the Rig Veda, which has much to do with Agni, the divine fire, and his role as that which connects the world of humanity with the divine. It's very pretty poetry, although difficult to translate with the richness it deserves. At the beginning of a fire yagya, in his role as yagya priest, Vishwamitra writes, I have the honor to invoke the adorable Agni to be our guide in this fire ceremony. Agni is most wise, all-knowing, and infallible. In our worship, may he, the adorable one, transfer our homage, our offerings to divine powers, and accept our precious offerings for wealth and nourishment. Adorable Lord Agni, in your honor, in this yagya, I lift the ladle full of offerings, shining with brilliance and food. May you, pleased with our offerings, bless this yagya with your protection. One who has the blessings and privilege of your protection becomes endowed with a powerful and luminous mind, worldly riches, and beautiful children. You who give your gifts very liberally, may we always remain under your guidance and never lose our taste for worshipping you. So, of course, to end this podcast, we have to start by listening to some chanting of the Gayatri Mantra. I've chosen a very modern rendition of it that's rather lively and fun. And then, in a more traditional vein, I have about 12 minutes of chanting the Agni Suktam from Rig Veda, the longest and oldest of the Vedas. So, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time. Om Bhur Bhuvah Suvah Tat Savitur Varenyam 
ಸ್ವರ್ಗೋ ದೇವಸ್ಯ ಧೀಮಹಿ ಧಿಯೋಯೋನ ಪ್ರಚೋದಯ ಅಗ್ನಿ ವಾಯು ಆದಿತ್ಯ ಅಂಡ್ ಅಂಗಿರಸ ಟು ರಿವೀಲ್ ಟು ಮ್ಯಾನ್ ಕೈನ್ ಫೋರ್ ವೇದಾಸ್ ರಿಗ್ ಯಜುಸ್ ಸಾಮ ಅಂಡ್ ಅಧರ್ವಣ Vedic hymns are like joyous streams bursting from the mountain. Rigvedam Gananantva ganapatim vavamahe kavinga vinamu pamasravastvamam Jethrajam brahmanam brahmanaspata arashrinvan ನೋದಿಶೀತಸಾಧನಮಂಗೀನಾಮರ್ಚ ಮಹಾಗಣಪತ ಪ್ರಣೋದೇವಿ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ವಾಜೇರ್ಪಾಜಿನೀವತಿ ಧೀನಾಮಿತ್ಯವತು ಮಹಾಸರಸ್ವತೀ ನಮಃ ಶತಮುತ್ಸಮಕ್ಷೀಯಮಿಪಿತರಂಭಕ್ತ್ವಾಂ ಭದ್ರೋಪೀತೃತ್ವಿಜ ಹೋದಾರ ರತ್ನ 
ಅಗ್ನಿಲಾಕ್ಷತಿ ಅಗ್ನಿರ್ಹೋತಾಕ್ರಸ್ತಮಗ್ನೇಭದ್ರಂಕರಿಷ್ಯಸಿತ್ಸತ್ಯಮಂಗಿರ ಉಪತ್ವಾಗ್ನೇಷಿ ರಾಜಂತಮಧ್ವರಾ ಗೋಪಾಮೃತೀತಿ ವರ್ಧಮಾನ ಸನಪ್ಪಿಸೂನವೇಗ್ನೇಸೋಪಾಯನೋಭವಾಚಸ್ವಾನಸ್ವಸ್ಥೇತ್ರಂಗ್ರಾಭಂಸಂಗೃ
ಉಪ್ರಯಂತುಮರುತಸ್ಸುತಿ ಸಸ್ಪುತ್ರಮರ್ತ್ಯ ಉಪಭ್ರೂತೆ ಧನೇ ಸುವೀರ್ಯ ಮರುತ ಆಶ್ವಸ್ಯಂ ದಧೀತಜೋವಾಥಕೆ ಪ್ರೈತು ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣಸ್ಪತಿ ಪ್ರತಿಭೇತು ಸುಹೃತ ಅಚ್ಛಾಂಗ್ಯಂ ಪಂಕ್ತಿರಾಧಸೇವಾಯಂತು ಘತೆ ದೋನರಂ ವಸು ಸಧತ್ತೆ ಅಕ್ಷಿತಿಶ್ರವಾಸ್ಮಾಮೇ ಸುಪ್ರತೂರ್ತಿಮನೇಗೂನ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣಸ್ಪತಿರ್ಮಂತ್ರುಕ್ಷ ಯಸ್ಿಂದ್ರೋವರುಣೋ ಮಿತ್ರೋಹರ್ಯಮ ದೇವಾಂಶಿತ್ರೀ ತಮಿತ್ವೇಮ ಬಿದೇಡು ಶಂಭುವ ಮಂತ್ರಂ ದೇವಾಚಂ ಪ್ರತಿಹರ್ಯಥಾನೋ ವಿಶ್ವೇಮಶ್ರವತಿ ಕೋ ದೇವಯಂತ್ರಮಶ್ರಭಜ್ಜನಂಕೋ ವೃತ್ತಬಲಿಶ್ವಾಸ್ಥಿತಾಕ್ಷೇ ಉಪಕ್ಷತ್ರಂ ಪ್ರೀತಿಯಂತಿರಾಜಭಿತ್ಸುಕ್ಷಿತಿಂದೇ ನಾರ್ಭೇ ಅಸ್ತಿ ಪತ್ರಿ 